0: to talk about human race today. And there's going to be some things that's really going to challenge you. I hope it does. I pray it transforms you. How many know we have more knowledge on relationships than we have ever had in the history of the world? And it seems like it's not working because you don't do what you know, you do what you believe. Like, you need a transformation in your thinking. The heart has to change. You know, the Bible says uh, in the New Testament, we don't do circumcisions as a sign of whether you're a believer or not. Thank the Lord. That's not what needs to happen. But there's a circumcision of the heart, which means God changes the desires of your heart so it comes out of I want to. A lot of people go to church thinking, okay, I'm going to be told I need to do a bunch of things that I don't want to do or I can't do, and then I'm going to feel guilty and condemned. And the reality is a lot of people have felt that way. But God says, I am the power source to transform your heart. God wants to change your heart. So what we're talking about today comes out of your heart of I want to and not I have to. Sound good? But we have to ask. And so we're going to do that together. But I'm going to pray, but I need you to ask as well. I need you to, like, in your own way, just begin asking the Lord to do something inside of you, and we can do this together, okay? So, Father, right now as we come and start this series, we know there's a number of challenging things that we're facing that we know about and things we don't know about. But we need your help in both. So, Holy Spirit, we ask... For your spirit to be really commissioned to change our heart, Lord God, that our eyes would see differently, that our ears would hear differently, that our heart would be uh, perceived and we would be forever changed. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You ready to go? Grab your Bible. We're going to talk about the human race. Uh, The greatest reason of our existence and purpose on this planet comes from a relationship with God and other humans. Um, There are about 8 billion humans on the planet. That's our best estimate. There are about 8 billion people around the world. Some of them you know, most of them you'll never meet. Some of you have a negative opinion of, even though you've never met them. Some of you will trust for advice on eternal decisions, even though you've never met them. The ones you do know you may struggle to be around, while others you cannot wait to be in their presence. Some challenge your desire to obey God's word to forgive, while others are an incredible example of God's love to you. Um, Most of the issues and drama in your life right now stem from relationships. Most of the fun and joy that you're feeling right now is because of relationships. If things are going well in your marriage and with your kids and with people at work, you, you're having fun. You're enjoying life. If there's problems or tension in those relationships, you're constantly nagged by this sensation that not everything is right, that something is wrong, and you, you, you just want to get it taken care of. There's like this this thing that's there that you just—because you, relationships are important, you know, I've had people say, "When I retire, I'm going to go become a grow my hair out real long and become a hermit out off the grid." Uh, you can I just say you're probably broken if that's where you're at, because there's something that's not in order to think that that's okay. Why? biblically, God says you were created for a relationship. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. I'm introvert. Yeah. And even the introvert needs relationships. They need people in their life. It may not be as many, but they need people in their life. So I have three. They, they We were sitting there. They said, now, what theme verse do you want? And I said, I like them all. And they said, well, you got to pick one. I said, no, I'm Pastor. I'm going to say them all. So, uh, here they are. Three theme verses to laminate and put on your refrigerator for the next six weeks. Here's the first one. Be completely humble and gentle. I want to stop right there because you're reading on. But be completely humble and gentle. God gives grace to the... And gentle. See, before you can move any further, the thing where great relationships come out of is humility. We have to first humble ourselves, And we live in a culture that's not very good at that. Right? We live in a culture that says that, like, it's me and I'm the center of the universe. I'm, it, it, why? You, you're supposed to serve me. I need relationships for me more than, than I'm going to be in relationship with you so that you're blessed. And it says be gentle. So when people do things that make you angry and upset. We don't respond in like kind. We're gentle. We're gentle. We, we, we step back and say, you know what? That could have affected me if I have an identity crisis, but I don't have an identity crisis. And I know that you're in a prison, and prisoners hurt people, hurt people. Stress out people. Do things that stress people. It says, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And then look at it. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. It says everyone in here is thinking about a relationship right now, right? There's a relationship you're thinking about right now, a person that you're thinking about right now that you don't really care much for, and you'd rather just write them off. And, and the Bible says it's it make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit, that unity is more important than me being right. Like, books tell you, whenever there's a problem, um, you should confront them. There's some things you shouldn't confront. There are some things you need to just let be. You need to let the Holy Spirit work in that person, begin to deal with their heart, and you work to keep the peace. You just keep peace. Well, it's like I'm walking on eggshells whenever I'm around them. (laughs) Isn't that funny? You're probably the eggshells. (laughs) Right? Because the, the reality is, is, the Bible says, I'm going to help you to keep the peace. So you say, Holy Spirit. How many are glad the Holy Spirit's walking with you, right? So we pray to the Father, and we live with the Holy Spirit, right? Just as the disciples prayed to the Father and lived with Jesus, the Holy Spirit enables us. He gives us the ability to do things. So we ask the Holy Spirit, hey, Holy Spirit, can you help me not punch this person in the face right now? Sometimes all you can say is, Holy Spirit, Right, look. look, So the next theme verse. This is the next one. Do not do nothing out of what selfish ambition or vain conceit. Interesting, because usually when we're in it is because I want something, and I'm not getting it. Remember when I did that series uh, a few years ago? Maybe maybe it was before we were in in farming. When point your finger at me. Point your finger at me. Okay, and you know, you got the other fingers pointing back, but, but here, point your finger, you point your finger at me? That's right, the little guy down here, he's pointing, point it at me, point it right at me, point your finger. Okay, this is what I want you to say, repeat after me. The reason I'm so mad at you, so mad at you is because I'm not getting what I want. When you get in a fight with your spouse, the next time you say, the reason I'm so angry at you is you're not giving me what I want. It's selfish ambition. I'm, I want something. I'm not getting it, and so I'm taking it out on you. Look at what it says. Interesting. Rather in humility, value others above yourself. No, no. If I don't take care of me, no one's going to take care of me. i got to take care of me. No one's going to take care of you? Really? What an ungodly belief. Do you think the creator of the universe takes care of you? Matthew 6 says the birds. He takes care of the birds. And aren't you more valuable than the birds? You don't need to take care of you because you have a father in heaven that's watching out for you. He's taking care of you, and we now can take care of other people. Look at this. Rather in humility... Uh, value value others above yourself not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of others what's best for them i'm just trying to do what's best but it's quiet in here <laughs> right because it, it, isn't it amazing how we think everyone else's sins are greater than ours that's why, when someone has a moral failing, we can point our finger at them and talk about how bad they are, as if ours, ours, our poop don't stink. Yeah. How many know, know what I'm talking about? It's like, my poop don't stink. I'm good. I'm fine. Looking to own, each of you to the interest of others. Then the final verse. Above all, above all, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without what? (laughs) Especially in Minnesota, where uh, they'll give you directions anywhere you want to go, except to their house. (laughs) Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to what? Serve Serve others. As if not just you, like... Like, I'm using my gifts for me, but I'm going to use my gifts for other people. And, and it says, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. It's talking about, there's a biblical perspective here. Isn't it amazing how we become more civilized, and yet there are more wars in the world than there has ever been? We think the more knowledge we have on relationships and getting along, we're civilized. So we know how to have conversations about conversing ourselves, And yet we're in more wars around the world than we've ever been. Because the, the, the reality is there's two worlds. There's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of the world. And there will always be wars in the kingdom of the world because those living in it will never get along. Doesn't matter how much knowledge you have. God is the one who gives us the ability to get along. Now, now. So uh, I've been talking about all of this stems from how you view people. It's how you view the human race. There is an article. Uh, it's an interview's an investor, Investor Business Daily by Dennis Prager, and he says, "Who would you save, your dog or a stranger?" Now there are YouTube videos on interviews where people have gone to college campuses and they've asked this question: "Who would you save, your pet?" or a stranger, and the response was, from some of the students, it's just appalling, they're they like, I would change my, pe- I would save my pet, because I gain a, a value from my pet. It would just be a natural reaction. And this study was done by uh, Richard Topolsky, and here's what he says. Everyone would save a sibling, grandparent, or close friend rather than a strange dog. But when people considered their own dog versus people... Less connected with them, a distant cousin or a hometown stranger, votes in favor of saving the dog came rolling in. And astonishing, 40% of respondents, respondents, including 46% of women, voted to save their dog over a foreign tourist. We can extend empathy to one another or or, or another organism, and feel its pain like no other species. But let's not be too proud of ourselves. As this study and too much of our history shows, we're pretty selective about how we extend our humaneness to other human beings. Once again, let us be clear, there is no compelling reason to save the stranger first, except for the assertion that human life is infinitely precious and infinitely more precious than that of an animal even though those who vote to save their dogs first live by this assertion. After all, nearly all of them are meat eaters. They have others kill animals for their culinary pleasure, but they would never countenance killing humans for their culinary pleasure. It is only when their heart gets involved that they abandon their belief that the value of human life is greater than that of an animal life. Because we allow our heart to love something, we start to love it more than value or understand the importance of a human life. Human life is important. In the kingdom of God, we value life more than anything else. Jonah 4.10 says, But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you uh, did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not concern have concern for the great city of Nineveh? in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell the right from their left. He's saying, should, should I not be concerned about humans? You're concerned about a plant that gave you momentary pleasure, but you're, you're upset that, I didn't, that, that, that all of these 120,000 people didn't get killed? What, what I'm saying is is America used, in, in its very foundation inception, valued human life. We were very generous, not just humans we knew, Human life in general around the world. One of the most, still, one of the most generous nations in the world to give in ways no other nation has ever given. But it is declining as Americans start to see humans as obstacles and just a, 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 a response of evolution where it's not, not there's nothing in them or about them that's important. And we've moved to this place. The uh, Arizona State University, because the human race is pretty close, because we also, what we do is we look at other people, and we see differences, and we think we're so different. Arizona State University said, and these are all, these aren't biblical. I'm not citing biblical things. This is just science. This is what they said in their series, Ask a Biologist. Would you guess Taylor Swift and Kanye West are more alike than two king penguins. What about Taylor and Kanye versus two chimps? It may surprise you to learn that the species of penguins has twice as much genetic variation as humans do. This subspecies of chimps have more genetic variations than humans as well. There are 3 million differences that separate a person's genomes from everyone else. However, because there are 3 billion letters that make up the human genome, that means all of us are 99.99% identical to each other DNA-wise. We, all, we are all the same. We make an issue about 0.01%. When we're all part of this great race called the human race. There is no other race. There are no races between ethnic groups. We're all the same race. We're all humans. And in God's eyes, we're valued as such. That God's called us to value people. They did another study to study um, people and and the differences. And there was a study I'm going to bring up shortly where it literally how just in this room, people literally categorize people based on color of skin, based on ethnic background. So here's the course of Deceptive Beliefs. I'm going to give you, and because we had a creative team, I got three words and they all start with the same letter because they're just that good. Here's the first one is paganism. This course of this decline of how we seem human is, is tied directly to the increase of paganism in the world today. The New York Times article said this in December 29th, 2021. Is the West becoming pagan again? There in 2020, during that year when everybody was home from work and most people were home from work, they were surfing the web. They saw an, an increase into Wicca, 900%. Because people were surfing, looking for some power, something that they could hold, because of the fear that was being perpetuated through society. They were looking for something, and the church wasn't there. They weren't finding it there. They had heard all the messages, but never experienced the power of what those messages are. We talk about the power of God, but do we walk in it? Are we seeing it? And they were looking for something real. 1 Corinthians 10.20 says this. No, but the sacrifice of the pagans are offered to demons, not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. If you're someone fooling around with Wicca or things that are tied to demonic things, listen, there are some things that have become so a part of culture, we just accept them and they're extremely demonic. But we just accept them because everyone's doing it. The goal is if everyone's doing it, then it must be okay. And it's just not true. John 10 10 says, The thief comes only to kill, to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan comes to kill. So, secular humanism, the, the goal of secular humanism was to get us to stop believing in a God and start believing in my inner self. That was the goal. There there is a strategy here. It was to get people to stop. And I know I'm preaching to the church. In some cases, I wish none of you were saved or all of you were saved. I'm glad you're saved. (laughs) But I wish there was a crowd of unbelievers here that were hearing this. Because literally, what, what has happened, there is a strategy. Satan is a loser. Somebody should say amen. He's a loser, right? But the reality is he's coming after people that aren't tied to truth. Right? And there are people that are falling in these demonic traps. And one of them is that, that you have the power to change your life. You can talk yourself into something great. You can transform. That's called secular humanism. And you know what? It was happening in the church. We were telling people as pastors this is what you need to do, this is how you need to change your life, this is how you need to behave in order to be transformed. And the reality is the gospel says you don't have the ability to change without God. God is the tree of life in the garden. And he is the tree of life planted today. And every one of us need to eat from the tree of life without a relationship with God. ain't changing. But human, uh, humanism... And secular humanism said, You're the power source. Now that you're the power source and you realize you don't have the power to change, now they introduce to you another power source. Now try this. Try Wicca. See what happens. And there's all of these demonic things that are taking place. There's a book called Jonathan Kahn called Return of the Gods. It's an incredible book. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. He really draws a map of how the ancient, the gods of ancient days have never gone away, but they have redressed themselves, rebranded themselves, and you can see them operating in our culture today. And when he, t- when he opens it up and you see it, you're like, Wow. I can see it. I can see it. It's very clear. It's an easy read. It's a book you, you could probably read in a couple of days. It says, "Beyond this is what he said, in a civilized civilization that's possessed." Beyond the signs of individual possession were other signs and symptoms as much larger phenomenon. In pagan culture, it was not uncommon for people to offer up people as sacrifices to the God. In some pagan cultures, people would murder their children and sacrifice to the gods. I was in, I was in Lima, Peru. We went onto the Temple of the Sun. And they had the, the valley where they would throw up virgin girls and they would sacrifice it to God. This is, this is truth right here. This happened. Right. They did so as an act of worship. Such things are not the spontaneous act of a possessed individual. Listen to this. This is the this is the important part. But the ways, traditions, rituals and collective acts of a possessed culture. A culture living in the kingdom of the world that's looking around them and saying, well, if they're saying it's acceptable, then I'll just join into it. And it becomes, it's not demon possession of a bunch of demon-possessed people, but a culture that takes on the practices of demons and how we view people. Paganism views people as a problem. It gets you self-centered. It opens up the way for this thing called narcissism. Narcissism is extremely common in our world today, in this country, and even in the church. Narcissism says, I am the center of everything. Just do you. If I don't take care of me, no one else does. When I wake up in the morning, I only think of myself. I, I care for only those things in my world around me. I would never be generous and give money, time, or energy to anything outside of me because everything in, in my circle that benefits me. I'm in relationship with people because they benefit me, and as soon as they don't benefit me anymore, I don't see any value in them, so I just remove them from my world. So that's a marriage. We just get divorced because you aren't giving me what I need because I'm in this thing because you were giving me something and now you're not. And so I'm not in this thing anymore. I need to get out of this something. I need to be getting I need to get, get, get. I'm the sinner here. I'm the son. Worship me. So I need to be worshipped, I need to be branded, I need to be appreciated, I need, I need, and, and see, we all know people we think are narcissists, and we look at them and say, oh, they're horrible, they're narcissists. But you should look in the mirror. Because relationships, are like you say, and, and, and I can't remember if I said this one or the last service, like, when, when you think you need, every, like, you, if you don't take care of you, who will take care of you? you forget that the Creator said He would take care of you. 1 John 2.15-17, this is what it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, what I want, the things that I long for, The lust of the eyes, what I see and I I look at, and this is what I think I should have. And the pride of life come not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. So there's this, this whole thing of paganism that is literally seeping into our culture and we're doing paganistic things and don't even realize it. What I would encourage you to do is ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you things that are really pagan practices and you don't even know it. And the reason you don't know it is so integrated into our culture. We may be sojourners just passing through, but the smell of paganism is all around us. And it's time that we say, God, you know what? I'm set apart. I don't need to look like the culture to reach the culture. I don't need to, I don't need to act like the culture. To, it, there's like literally, uh, like literally. There are things we watch on Netflix, Hulu, Prime Video that you would never have watched 10 years ago. You would have said, that is so demonic and bad. Nudity with no hesitation, no conscience. The kind of killing that you see on television right now with no conscience. It's no big deal. And we're letting our kids watch it with us. I mean, there's stuff that we have opened the door to Hollywood and just said it's art. And Satan's like, thank you for opening the front door. Meanwhile, I don't, I, I don't, even, I don't even darken the door of a Bible. It just doesn't work, friend. The reason things aren't working is because you got more coming in the front door called death than you have life coming in. It just doesn't work that way in anything in life. It doesn't work that way. It really is what, you know, there's an illustration I've said. There's a guy who had a white dog and a black dog. And uh, he, he would go to these dog fights and he, he would bet on the, what dog would win. And every dog he bet on would always win. And he, and they said, okay, okay, how do you know what dog is going to win? He says, very easy. If I want the dog, black dog to win, I feed it, and I starve the white one. And if I want the white dog to win, I feed it, and I starve the black one. It's a matter of what you're feeding and what you're starving. It's what it comes down to, right? And paganism comes in, and one of the things, one of the fruit of paganism, you start to get irritated and hate people why cuz it's the first thing you experience when god comes in is love love you love people so when satan comes in one of the first things when you kids is you lose your love for people it's not i think it's interesting you say well how do i know whether i'm a christian or not it isn't whether you smoke drink or chew or date girls who do you stop you love people is how I love people. Here's the second one. is prejudice. It's prejudgments. Some of which are stereotypes, things that are given to us, some from family of origins. Our parents have told us things about uh, tribes and, and ethnic groups. And so we just believe it because they said that even though we have no experience of that, we just bulk to just throw everybody in that and think everybody is that way. Well, they're just like. When you say they're just like, do, do you remember I just said we're 99.99% alike? The kingdom of the world tries to separate us in tribes. In the kingdom of God, we are the tribe of Judah. Right? We, become, we realize that humans become the object of our love and not the obstacle in our life. It's interesting because Mark 2.17 says this on hearing this Jesus said to them it is not the healthy you need a doctor but the sick i have not come to call the righteous but the sinner and he said that because pharisees came up to him and says why are you hanging out with them even in that religious setting they had a cast or classes do you know something you do that you may not even realize you do it's a human thing they've they've studied this and found that is that you class people and you put yourself in a class you say, those aren't my people. Has anybody ever said, those aren't my people? You say that because you automatically think in terms of class or caste. Which is why it naturally happens around the world. All over the world throughout history, they've classed each other. You've had your high class, your middle class, and your low class. We class them even by financial right now. There's the low class, the middle class, and the high class. We separate them based on how much money they make every year. We've said we hate class system and caste systems, but we live by it. We tax by it. We do everything by it. We get the low class, they hate the high class, and and attack each other. It's the kingdom of the world is being run by leaders in the world. And that world tries to get you to divide yourself and to hate people that aren't like you. The high class looks down on the low class and thinks how ignorant and dumb. The low class looks at the high class and they say they're just, they think they're better than everyone else. Do you know they did a study, they asked people, they said... um, they said, "Who do you think is the most, the lowest in the? If there was a class system, what group of people would be the lowest in the class system?" It was a totally anonymous. Uh, uh, the, the, no one know. They did this survey, and you know what they found out? It was, uh, I think, one of the, the news thing that got sent to my feed. They found out that the group that is viewed by most people across the world as the lowest in the class system, Asian women. They're not viewed as being human. And they gave all their reasons. In fact, sex trade is at the highest level with Asian women. It's how people get through their consciences. They're not really human. You know what we do? When we want to hate someone, we'd rather think they're not human. We'd rather classify them in a different way. We get desensitized to the value of a soul. So we see people as obstacles rather than objectives. And we have Christian ter- tribalism in which we hunker down in our church and we're like, we're the righteous ones. And we hate all those people who don't agree and believe like we believe. Rather than recognize there are people going to hell. And we've been called to share the good news with them. There's value in them. And then there's ethnic tribalism, a lack for empathy of people who don't look exactly like us, even though you're 99.99% alike. But the world, the king in the world, is done really good at getting us to hate other people. Remember, you may be in the kingdom of God, but you got the stench of a culture on you. You need to take a shower. We need to change the way we think so we don't think like the world and let unbelieving lost people start to shape the way we see people because God loves them. He loves them. You know, in that whole, would I save a stranger over my pet? Take it one step further. Would you save somebody who deserved it over your pet? You see, there's this thinking of, well, pastor, there's some people that I just think there's a special place in hell for them and Christ will weep over the loss of their soul. Here's the last propaganda, last P word. Power repeated messaging. Psalms 119.11 says, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. The there's paganism, there's prejudice, and there's propaganda. You know, it's interesting, as I was studying this, I, I discovered something. I love history. Love history is my favorite topic, took every history class I could. And Civil War history is interesting. Because how does a country fight against itself and then survive? Most countries have a civil war. They have no structure of strength. It's incredible. It, it really comes back to the place, place they had to depend on God because everything that happened in this was a blessing. We should be a third world nation based on our history. So, you know, in the Civil War, it was interesting. They fought the Civil War because the South wanted to succeed from the Union. And the Union, and they could, the Constitution allowed them to do that. But the North, the Union, didn't want that to happen, so they were going to fight. And it was more so over this idea of not the abolishment of slavery, but the whole mindset behind the abolishment of slavery. As if the values that were prominent in the South, also active in the North, but not to the extent in the South, that the values of the South were being challenged by people they didn't know. And this is interesting. This might shock you. So they they used the abolishment of slavery as a tool to stir up people in the south to go to war with their brothers in the north. Now, this is interesting. Do you know that only 20 to 25% of the people in the South owned slaves? Only 20 to 25%. Almost 80% of the people in the South didn't own slaves. Now, mind you, that didn't mean they viewed people who were black any better than the slave owners. They just didn't own slaves. It was the plantation owners that owned the slaves, and they had the money. And they knew if the government would abolish slavery, it would affect their bottom line financially. They needed slaves. They didn't even call it slavery. They called it forced labor. Why? Because it sounds better to them. They were getting food. They were getting all the stuff they needed. And they, they would then argue all the reasons why the slaves' lives were better here in slavery than they would have been in Africa. I mean, this is the argument. Okay. Now what's interesting is, how does 25% of the population in the South convince 80% of culture to go to war with the North? Because no mom is going to put their kid out on a battlefield to die for something they don't gain anything from. And the plantation owners knew that if they were going to get the majority of the South to fight in the Civil War, they had to convince at least 60% of the people who already thought black people were less than human that they should fight because the North was coming to to, uh, attack their values and their spiritual values. So the plantation owners went to the preachers. That's right, to churches. Said, we'll build you a steeple. But you know, I won't have the money to build you a steeple or build you a building if we lose these slaves. And these spiritual leaders, not all of them, I would never throw all of them under the the light, but many of them would get in their pulpits on a Sunday morning and begin to preach how slavery benefited the slave. I'm gonna put a name up here because he deserves to be highlighted For anyone who'd profane a pulpit with a lie because the entire Bible is always in the contents of God which is love if you take anything out of it and it doesn't have love written into it you're not preaching the word you're not preaching truth that's why you can't go to someone say I'm just telling you the truth but you didn't show any love therefore what you said was a lie The contents of what you said is in truth unless it contains the spirit of love. Look at this. Bishop Stephen Elliott of Georgia. It just irritates me just even saying his name. Also knew how to look on the bright side. Critics of slavery should consider whether their interference with this institution, they may not be checking and impeding a work which is manifestly providential. What he was saying was this, is ladies and gentlemen, These people from the north are coming down and they're interfering with God's plan for the slave. And they worked up the people of the south that they were attacking their spiritual values. Isn't it incredible what propaganda does? And it's happening today. When you get on certain news stations and you get on social media platforms and you watch certain podcasts and you come out of it hating people, what they're doing is they know they can't make any change in something unless they get you all angry and upset. And they operate out of anger and fear and they want you to hate people. And if I hate people, then I'll get up and I'll attack people. Friend, that is not the spirit. And there are people calling themselves pastors and religious people online. And when you're done, if you feel like hating people, you're not listening to any man of God. You're listening to a man of Satan himself. We don't hate people. The source of propaganda is feeding hatred and lies, hatred and lie in our life. Here are three biblical perspectives and then I'm done. And you say, well, you should have been done eight minutes ago. I know. Number one, human life came from God. Number one, human life came from God. He said, let us make man into our image. It came from God. It it was created by God. Humans are not part of the animal kingdom. They are not mammals. Humans are humans. They're not even any category in the human race. And, and we need to recognize that because it's a subtle and yet insanely popular teaching that is beginning at every beginning of every destructive belief and will set the course to a vast number of lies about the human race. M- Matthew says that God will take care of you because he cares about you even more than the animals. Here's the second one. Human life was created for God. Colossians 1 16 says, for in him, all things were created, things on heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers of authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. You were created for the pleasure of God. And people have a hard time with this. But let me ask you a question. How many have children? Why? Why have kids? They cost you money. They keep you up at night. They put a strain on your marriage. You end up in the hospital. The stupid things they do. You, it's like $275,000 you're spending on kids. You got a lot of them too. And I mean, you, I mean, and you got all these kids and the mom and they're nagging on you and they're pulling and you got to run after all over them. They fight with each other. You have no peace. In, why, why would you have kids? Why would you ever do it? And yet, you know what? A parent, if they had to do it all over again, would do it all over again. Because when they look in the eyes of that child, they're like, wow, there's something about that child that longs my heart. It reveals the character of God. Why would God create humans that fight with each other? They war with each other. they They cost everything. They're constantly complaining. They're attacking them. Here's why. God didn't need anything from you. There is nothing you can give God but your heart. Here's what I mean. When that child comes up to you and he goes, Daddy, I love you. There's nothing that compares to that. And God created us to hear those words come out of our mouth when we worship and say, Daddy, I love you. God, I love you. And God says, it's worth it all. It's worth everything you go through that i got to walk through with you. It's worth putting my son on the cross. It was worth everything to hear you say, Daddy, I love you. It was for his pleasure. You don't realize how much pleasure it brings when you worship him. When you say, Daddy, Abba, Father, I love you. Humans do something no one else can do. And he said, will you go... And tell other people about my love for them so that they can look to me and say, Daddy, I love you. Daddy, I love you. Finally, human life is of the greatest value. Nothing is greater than human life because it lasts forever. Sorry, your pets aren't going to live forever. There's no doggy heaven. I know we want to believe that the lie of our culture. They're there for your pleasure. Your pets are there for your pleasure. But God has created a place. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. If it weren't so, I would have told you. He's preparing a place for everybody in this room. You say, but you don't know what I've done. See, that's the great thing about God. He knows what you've done and He still loves you. He's still preparing a place. And all He says is, just receive me, just accept me, just become my child. And you'll experience something you've never experienced in your life. You know, um, John 13 34 to 35 says this a new command I give you love one another. As I have loved you, you must also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Not the people that are easy to love. Everybody say, well, you, of course you love them. They're lovable people. But do you love the boss that's just giving you a in hell? Do you love the neighbor that's dog poops in your yard? Are you loving the spouse that cheated on you? You say, well, how can I love? That's what makes you different. Because the source of your love isn't humanistic. It doesn't come from within you. It comes when you have a revelation of God's love for you, that you're able to love people that nobody can love. And people are like, how do you love them? Well, let me tell you about a guy named Love. His name is God. Will you stand? If you need that kind of love right now, Pastor Zach is coming up here. He's going to close. But if you need that kind of love in your life right now, it is only one ask away. You just gotta say, God, I need love. I need that in my heart. Just put your arms up and say, if that's you, just say, God, I'm here to receive. I need love. There are people that are hard to love right now. Don't be embarrassed. This is human. This is just being human right now. There are people I'm struggling to love right now, and sitting, one of them is sitting right next to me. God can do a miracle. Do you want a miracle in your life? He can change your heart in a moment. If you will ask him, he can do it. Do you believe that? I I know that. I believe it. It can happen today. I expect that to happen today, right now. Just start asking him. Just start asking him.